Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Captain Comics Topics by your host, Captain Comics. Now Monday morning will kick off a very special holiday here in the United States, Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a time when we stop to thank the veterans who have given their lives so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have to this day. To be honest, I don't have the fortitude or the wherewithal to serve in the military, but I have nothing but the utmost respect for the men and women who do, who devote their lives to making sure the rest of us are safe and free to do stupid things like make podcasts about things we love. We can never repay them for their great sacrifice for this country, but we can spend a day remembering them and honoring them in true American fashion. You know, blowing stuff up, drinking beer by the lake, and hanging out with loved ones. <laughs> but in all seriousness, to all of our active veterans, thank you so much for your service. And to those we lost, we owe you a debt that we can never repay. That being said, today's episode is going to focus entirely on my favorite veteran, Captain America. Now, Captain America has been making headlines lately because of Steve Rogers' Captain America issue number one. Now, if you haven't read this issue yet, I'm about to spoil the crap out of it, so you might want to do yourself a favor and turn this off until you go ahead and get that issue. In this issue, the the thing that has taken the media by storm, taken over the internet, is that Steve Rogers, it has been discovered is a secret covert Hydra agent. And that blew some people's minds. People on the internet went crazy. I've read tons of people talking about how this is an affront to everything Captain America stands for. This is a disgrace to Simon and Kirby who created him, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, who created Captain America as a Jewish American figure who would destroy the Nazis, and Hydra was their stand-in for the Third Reich. And so basically, people are saying that making Captain America a member of Hydra instantly associates him with the Nazis that Simon and Kirby were so actively against. Now, I can understand that idea, and I do feel like you one could make a very compelling case for the fact that this is antithetical to the nature of Captain America. But this is the first issue in a bigger arc written by Nick Spencer. And we don't quite know where this arc is going yet. You know, I hate to say it, but we can't judge this whole issue. We can't judge Marvel Comics based on one issue in a run. Captain America can be a boring character. 75 years worth of history, he's just a big old boy scout. Sometimes we need to reinvigorate those characters so that they can breathe fresh new life into them, so they can tell new stories. You can only tell the same boring patriotic stories a thousand times before you're like, you know what, maybe for issue 1001, we change things up a little bit. So I trust Marvel. For the most part. I mean, I trust Joe Quesada and the other editors at Marvel that they're going to do something interesting with the story. And I trust Nick Spencer as a writer 
to take Captain America in some sort of direction that adds another layer to his character. And so if they can reinvigorate it and revitalize it, then more power to them. We get too hung up on the idea of our characters and our ideas, our interpretations of them. And to be honest, like none of us own these characters. These characters belong to all of us. And like all forms of art, they mean different things to different people. Like this issue of Captain America, Steve Rogers' Captain America number one could be someone's very first introduction to Steve Rogers. And they could know some stuff, but this may instantly make them go, oh my God, I need to read more about Captain America. You know, when I told the people in my life around me about Captain America being a Hydra agent, they were all intrigued. Like they all raised their eyebrow. I was like, I bet you money I could get them to read this run faster than I could even get them to read Winter Soldier, which Ed Brubaker's Winter Soldier stuff is amazing. So again, like if they can reinvigorate and revitalize this 75-year-old character and provide a fresh take on him, I'm all for it. And even if it's not my Captain America, that doesn't matter. My Captain America still exists in 75 years worth of comics. My point that I always go to is Superman. I absolutely love Superman. He's one of my favorite heroes simply because of his nature, his heroic nature. Like, I've always characterized the difference between Batman and Superman as if a woman is being raped, Batman will come in, he'll rip the rapist off of her, break his arm, and tell her, hey, you know, you're safe, go ahead and get out of here. But, like, his main thing is making sure that that rapist gets what's coming to him. Superman, on the other hand, is the guy who picks up that rapist, tosses him aside, and then goes straight for the woman and makes sure she's okay and holds her hand and says, you're going to be all right. It's not that either one of them is wrong. I love Batman too, but Superman is the guy who cares. And he's the guy who cares because of the way Jonathan and Martha Kent raised him. And so I've always felt Clark Kent, if he'd have been a human kid born to Jonathan and Martha Kent, he would still have grown up to be some sort of hero. Even if it was as an investigative journalist, he would have grown up to be a hero because that's the man they raised him to be, not the man his superpowers made him. And Zack Snyder disagrees with me. Zack Snyder's idea of Superman is totally different than mine. He believes that what's special about, or at least appears to believe that what's special about Superman is his powers and how he reflects with those. And so I don't always like Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and their portrayal of Superman being mopey and depressed and upset about his powers. Like, I like my Superman light and friendly and like I always go to that issue in or that moment in All-Star Superman written by Grant Morrison when he leaves Lois Lane's side to go and comfort this girl who's about to commit suicide because that's a heroic act that only Superman could do 
Now, I'll talk more about that and I'll delve into that when I talk about Batman v Superman and my thoughts on the DC Extended Universe in another issue. But back to Captain America. My point simply was your Captain America is not affected by Steve Rogers' Captain America number one. Your version of Captain America still exists. The comics are still there. The movies are still there. So let's let them have the benefit of the doubt. Let's let them tell their story. Sure, if it sucks, break out the torches and pitchforks, hunt them down, and tell them, you ruined an American icon. But for right now, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's listen to where this story goes. Because at the end of the day, that's what we love comics for is for the stories. And so let's just give them some time. Now, that being said, I'm going to move on to the real focus of this episode, Captain America Civil War. All right, full disclosure, I saw Captain America Civil War in theaters twice, opening weekend. I went and saw it on a Thursday special pre-release at the local drive-in. Shout out to the Starlight Landmark Starlight Drive-In in Wichita, Kansas. Um, one of the few drive-ins left in the United States. But I went there with some friends to go and see Captain America Civil War. And the first time I saw it, I was just blinded by the spectacle. Like, I was in love with the idea of everything that happened in that movie just blew me away. You know, seeing... Black Panther on the screen for the first time, seeing Ant-Man become giant man and seeing Spider-Man as a kid and handled so well and quipping and, you know, the suit looked cool. And then seeing the emotional struggle between Tony and Steve, all of that sort of stuff just blew my mind and I loved it. I loved it so much. I couldn't stop talking about it. So I went ahead and went back a second time and I took my mother for Mother's Day I know, right? What a Mother's Day present. But she liked it too, you know. But when I went and saw it in theaters, I had a completely different reaction. And that's more the issue that I want to talk about. I was emotionally moved by Captain America's Civil War the second time I saw it. One of the first moments that moved me was Black Panther. So let's start with Black Panther. First off, Black Panther was handled amazingly in this movie absolutely wonderfully we didn't get a long boring backstory the first time we see him in that suit we know he's been in this suit before this ain't his first rodeo and he was so well done so strong that you get the sense that nobody could have handled him by themselves not tony not steve nobody and and like that's what's really cool is the fact that Black Panther just comes out of the gate as a badass, no assembly required. But perhaps even better than that was his emotional reason for becoming Black Panther, or well, not for becoming Black Panther, but for chasing down Winter Soldier. Um, when we see T'Challa and T'Chaka, his father, interact in the um, Senate meetings, in the meetings prior to the explosion that kills T'Chaka, we have that beautiful moment where they talk, and you know this guy's doomed. I mean, it's a Disney movie, and it's a Marvel movie. Parents ain't making it out alive. But my favorite Black Panther moment in the whole movie, that second time when I saw it, is when he dives to save his father. 
He knows that bomb's going off. He doesn't go under a table. He doesn't go, you know, hiding away from the window. He leaps to try to save his father. And and I noticed that the first time too. The, the thing I noticed the second time that really blew me away was as the dust is settling and there's no sound and everyone's um, struggling to catch their breath and orientate themselves at, or orient themselves after the explosion you just hear as he's holding his dad in his arms he says baba baba and you can hear him trying to talk to his father and like just something about the hurt in T'Challa's voice the performance from Chadwick Boseman like I got a little you know choked up I was like man it's an intense moment for them and then the scene after that where uh, Romanov and T'Challa are talking and he tells her don't bother bringing trying to bring him in I'm gonna kill him like it just felt 100% earned like even though we'd only met this guy maybe 10 minutes prior we understood completely his arc and we knew where we were going and there was never any question and there was never any well that came out of left field and so that was really cool and then all of his fight scenes oh my god so brilliant like he kicked so much more ass than I even would have assumed that Black Panther would. And I like Black Panther. I was a big Black Panther fan. So he exceeded my expectations. And then now, like, the writer, the director, the cast announcements, all this sort of stuff for Black Panther, like, it's amazing. If they produce this movie at the same level as what it looks like right now, this could easily be one of the best Marvel movies ever. I'm going to move on to Spider-Man now. The first thing I noticed about Spider-Man was just that this Spider-Man was funny. He was a kid and it worked, you know, and I liked Aunt May being younger. Like this time it felt more like Peter's parents' sister instead of like Peter's grandparents' sister. And so that's kind of cool. Like, and Aunt May has always existed only to be saved by Peter and only to be a damsel in distress. And hopefully this way she can give a little more agency to the role with an actress like Marissa Tomei in that role. So that was really cool. The first time we meet Spider-Man. One thing I did absolutely enjoy was the Spider-Man discussing how his eyes get hurt by the light changing and stuff because of his powers. And that's why he wore goggles and that's why he has those reticulating eyes that we see in the film. I thought that was a really unique, interesting thing and very well handled and gave a really cool idea to that. Um, The other thing was the second time I watched the movie, I noticed just how young Tom Holland looks. And there is that dichotomy that I never noticed. When I was a kid, he was just Spider-Man, you know, and I loved him and he was a kid like me, but I never really thought about him as a kid. And this was the first time I looked and as an adult, I was like, that dude's a kid. I was like, I mean, he's trying to do the right thing and he calls himself Spider-Man, but really he's not Spider-Man, he's Spider-Boy at best. And so I thought it was really cool and really nice to see that because it lends a certain weakness to that character. So he's gifted with all these amazing abilities, but at the end of the day, he's still a kid. 
And so I thought that that was handled brilliantly. And so it makes that scene when Spider-Man's gotten the crap kicked out of him and Tony's like, you're going home, kid. And he's like, no, no, I can still fight. No, you're, you're going home. I'm going home. Like, it made that scene have some poignancy because I truly felt afraid for him at times because he's such a kid. Like, that being said, like, he was hilarious and I totally loved all of the quips and the one-liners. My favorite line by Spider-Man in that movie has to be when he's chasing down Falcon in the terminal and he just goes, you have the right to remain silent. Just because like I busted out laughing in the theater and I was like, what is he going to do? Arrest him? Like, really? That's your plan, kid? But it's just a wonderful, wonderful character. Um, yeah, absolutely loved it. Also, speaking of him, there's this wonderful interaction between him and Spider or him and Captain America when they're talking and he asks him, where are you from, kid? Queens, <laughs> Brooklyn. And I loved it for two reasons. One, if you know anybody from the Northeast, like they're so good about this, especially in big cities like that, like yo, man, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, shoot. You know, like people in Philly and you're like, who has the best Philly cheesesteaks? Like Marco's on 13th. Oh my God. You know, um, sorry to any Philly people. If there is a Marco's on 13th and they're terrible, <laughs> but because I'm sure if anyone ever listens to this, I will hear about that. But that moment was nice, but there's a second layer to that conversation that is even better and that is it's a callback to the first avenger when um, steve rogers meets emil erkstein the doctor who creates the super soldier serum for the first time he asks him where are you from and the doctor says queens <laughs> you know and then they go on this little tangent he's like no where are you really from or where are you from actually and then the doctor eventually asks him so where's the little man from actually and he goes brooklyn and so it's a very nice callback to that. And you don't get callbacks like that in other Marvel movies. And that's because, big shout out to Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who wrote all three Captain America films. They did a brilliant job, not just writing these films, but writing the real, the only, the, the real trilogy, the only real trilogy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Captain America, the First Avenger, Winter Soldier, and Civil War feel like continuations of each other. And I really do feel like that comes down to McFeely and Marcus's writing. And, you know, it's in that little callback with the Queen's Brooklyn thing. Also, my favorite moment, and this is if you wanted to know why I wanted to talk about Captain America in general, this is why. My favorite thing in that film is at the end, it's a callback to the first Avenger. The very first time we meet Bucky, Steve Rogers is behind the, uh, behind the theater in an alley, getting into a fight with a guy who was talking during the movie. And the guy knocks him down and Steve gets up and he's like, I can do this all day. And then Bucky comes out of nowhere, knocks this guy off of Steve, kicks his butt and they walk off together like bros. 
And it's a sweet moment that establishes their relationship as Bucky is the guy who always comes to Steve's rescue. And in Civil War, the last moments where we see Bucky and Captain America are when Bucky's fighting Iron Man and Iron Man blows off his arm, literally. And Steve then gets the opportunity as Captain America now with his abilities to finally have Bucky's back. And he stands up and he pulls Tony off him and he beats the ever-loving tar out of him. And when Tony turns around and knocks him down, he gets back up and he says, I can do this all day. And he does. And he beats Tony within an inch of his life. And then at the end, he picks him up and they walk off together. So the first scene of the two of them together and the last scene of the two of them together are almost perfect opposites of each other. And it's a great example of storytelling that really just resonates. Like the thing that I love about this movie is that so many people miscategorize it as the Avengers 2.0, you know, or 2.5 and how it's, you know, so crammed full of characters. But at the end of the day, this was a Captain America movie. These movies are the story of Steve Rogers, not Captain America. And that is why I love the Captain America movies, why he's my favorite character in the cinematic universe, even though I was totally Team Stark. But it's because, like, I walked out of the first Avenger, which is one of the most underrated Marvel films, in my opinion. I love that movie because it plays as a World War II epic, and it broke my heart at the end of the movie when Steve comes out and they're like, are you okay, Cap? And he says, yeah, it's just, I had a date. Like, oh man, the feels. But like, I walked out of the first Avenger saying, you know why I love that movie? Captain America turns out to be the least super of the Avengers, but the most heroic. Like, he's just a good guy who wants to do the good, the right thing. And that character, that characterization is carried through all of the Captain America films and even into the Avengers. And so even when he makes decisions that you don't necessarily agree with, they're all in his character as this guy who just wants to do the right thing, even when he does the wrong thing. And so I loved their characterization of him. So again, great shout outs to Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, and Chris Evans for providing us with a three-dimensional Steve Rogers character that really connects with audiences and really resonates as a human being and not just as a superhero. Now, all of that being said, I did want to touch on one, maybe a couple other topics. Like One of them is the philosophical differences between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers felt real and organic the fights the up and downs like this is what people fighting is like sometimes two people can love each other and i mean this in a like brotherly sense like these two love each other in a brotherly sense they have respect for each other but at the end of the day there is this fundamental difference between the two of them that drives a wedge into their relationship and will not allow it to be fixed and I love that 
And everyone knows what this is like on some level. Like the example I always go to is gay marriage. Let's say you and your brother completely disagree on gay marriage. Let's say, you know, you guys completely are on opposite points. But you guys try to put it aside because you're brothers and you love each other and you grew up together, you know, and at family gatherings, you you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that person. So you guys put up with each other and you just try to ignore the issue sometimes. But then somebody brings it up, like Uncle Billy brings his girlfriend to Thanksgiving and then she brings up gay marriage and suddenly you and your brother start to fight again and it gets a little worse every time you fight but then you try to recover you try to not be so bad and then it escalates again and that's exactly what happened in the movie where they start out not agreeing but they're cool then we get to their first fight and then suddenly they're not cool but then they try to fix it up again and then you get that wonderful moment where the scene with the pens where they're arguing over whether or not they're going to sign the accords. And you think for a minute that Cap's going to do it and everything looks good. And then he finds out about Wanda and things go south again. And so it's like every time you think things are going to turn out well, they turn around and don't. And then at the end, when Tony comes in with the waving the white flag and he's like, you know what? Let's do this together and take down the bad guy. And then we get the nail in the coffin with Winter Soldier killing his mom, killing his parents. But mainly, you know, he's worried about his mom because apparently this is the year of superheroes caring about their moms. More on Batman v Superman another date. <laughs> but um, that moment, like I felt the second time in the theater, the emotional struggle between those two heroes as they went back and forth and then finally got to that point where they just couldn't do it anymore. And if you don't know, maybe I'll be the one to inform you of this for the first time. We actually learn in Winter Soldier how Captain America knows that Bucky killed Tony's parents. The scene when Captain America and, and Black Widow are in the bunker with Arnim Zola, the computer scientist from the first movie, um, the scientist in the computer from the first movie, he shows them a bunch of files about the Winter Soldier, and one of them is the death of the Starks. And so we can see how that connects to this movie. Like, that's the moment when he knew, but he didn't know yet that it was Bucky, and then he later finds out that Bucky is the Winter Soldier, and he can put those two together. Which means he really wasn't lying when Tony asked him, did you know? And he goes, well, I didn't know it was him. Because at first he didn't. And so I love that that plays in together. Like, it makes so much sense. But Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, you know, that moment when he's like, this won't change what happened, Tony. He's like, I don't care. He killed my mom. Like, brilliant. Like, that tearing apart of two close friends really got to me in that movie the second time that I saw it. But overall, just a fantastic film. One of the best, if not, I would venture at this point, the best superhero movie ever made. And I would say that 
pitting it up against the Dark Knight and the fact that I would say, man, that's a tough one because Civil War is the best comic book movie ever made. Dark Knight is the best superhero film ever made. And the reason for the point of clarification there is that Civil War feels like a comic book come to life. And as much as I love The Dark Knight, it does not feel like a comic book movie. It feels like a superhero film because it's got a guy in a cape, but it's not a comic book movie. You know, it's very grounded in the real world, very lifelike in that regard. And so I, I hesitate to call that a comic book film. But anyway, adored Civil War, really think we need to give Captain America a break in the in the comics and see where that arc is going. But overall, thank you very much for listening to this issue. Um, again, thank you to our troops who serve and keep us safe and allow me to spend 30 minutes rambling about Captain America. You can find me at Twitter or Instagram at six panel underscore AJ. And that's six spelled out. And you can find my podcast here on iTunes. You can also go to youtube.com and look for six panel productions. And you will find my YouTube page where you can watch shorter videos that give another view at my thoughts on all of this stuff. So thank you guys for listening. Go ahead and subscribe, subscribe to my YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter. You know, I'd love to talk to you about all this sort of stuff. So I'll be waiting and I will see you guys next time when I think given my ramblings, I might have to do an episode on Batman v Superman. So adios.